from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome to the Jack and Spike Show. 200,000 pounds of debris was removed from encampments along I-5. Spike was only responsible for half of that based on his illegal dumping scheme. <laughs> am I right or am I right, Spike? I appreciate your, your telling the truth about me, my friend. <laughs> Seattle's taking back part of the Regional Homelessness Authority's funding. Hopefully it's that one guy, Mark Jones. <laughs> Hopefully it's his paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> Can they get their money back on the stationery? I think that's where I, most of the money went. I hope so. And also we're going to talk about media diets. But before we get to all of that... Spike, you know I didn't sleep very well last night. I heard, buddy. I'm sorry. It was sorry. It's truly a tragedy. So I'm going to be doing my very best to navigate this. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, what happens, it, Laura, you know this, the sleepier I get, the more uh, small vocabulary become. No more big word. <laughs> no more big word from <laughs> okay, Jack, okay. right? So, uh, Nick, can you do me a favor? Can you pull up the song Half Sister by a band called Proto Martyr? Let me look into it. Because what happened this morning... <laughs> Was, you know those nights where you're really actively dreaming? Yeah, 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 yeah. very invested in your dream, Mm -hmm. and then when you wake up, you can't, you don't remember your dream. Okay. That was, so basically, I'm a side sleeper, and I woke up, like, basically in the rocky position, do you know what I mean? Like, I was was ready to, like. You're just taking on the world, you sleep. I was just doing something, and I woke up to this song this morning, right? This is a song I started playing. And yeah, I, you, you do that alarm clock with music. With music, thing, right? Yeah, you can you can bump it up a little, Nick. And so I'm coming out of my sleep haze to this song, which your sleep was anything but restful, <laughs> Not restful. right? And I'm going, I go, what planet am I on? Oh no! Yeah, it's just like miserable sludge, Valium rock, and I was thinking. You know, the Carpenters would have been nice after the night that I had. Do you know what I mean? You can kill it, Nick. Thank you so much for that. Top but. of the world, looking down on creation. Right, like, I'm just saying, like, isn't fate a cruel mistress every, every so often <laughs> where you have a miserable night of not sleeping, and then you wake up to Valium Rock about from anarchists in Detroit who are just miserable, right? You told me a story a few weeks ago where you... Uh, your alarm clock. You, you, I think you had, you had kind of pulled your shoulder or your your rib cage. That was, was my rib up, cage. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And wasn't it walking on sunshine that blared out like at max volume or no, something like that? No, it was. Uh, <laughs> even though we ain't got. It was oh, Danny's right, Danny song, and you couldn't reach the alarm yeah. clock to turn off, and then it fell yeah. behind your bed, and you're subjected to this <laughs> Anne Murray right. at excessive volumes, and you just you gave up that moment. You, you just decided to lie there. I and just take decided it. to take it. Uh, well, th- we'll get you through today. Buddy. I was we'll waiting for something through. like happy and jolly like this. Beautiful day. The problem with me is sleep is such an integral part of my daily functioning because my job requires my brain to be firing in all cylinders. So when I get 40% of what I actually need, it's almost like a doctor who doesn't sleep the night before who's like, okay, doctor, we're ready to open up this patient. We're going to do brain surgery. And he's like, any coffee? Anybody got any like (laughs) shots or espresso? Can anybody got any like espresso? Yeah, oh, buddy. All right. So 200,000 pounds of debris was removed from encampments along I-5 in Seattle's U District. Everybody's very happy about this. Hooray. 28 of the 30 people who were living in the encampments on Washington State Department of Transportation property accepted referrals and shelter and services. It's a lot of trash. It's a lot of trash. And it's and this. I'm surprised that this many people were accepting of offers of, of to get off the streets and go get services, go get shelter. 
Right? Yeah, yeah. Because you hear the you hear about folks, and I understand when folks have this is this is the existence they are resorting to. No one is. It's not, I don't. I use resort, not in the sense of it's a nice place to be, mm-hmm. right? And they can't leave their encampment because they're they don't lose all the things. That, all their earthly possessions are what's on display at their whatever hovel they've managed to cobble together, right. or they have a pet. So when I see that so many people are willing to accept the services and help of our community, it's great. Right, and I I would submit to people. You know, there's some people, homeless people out there who who want to be homeless, but yeah. it's such a small percentage. Right. And the right. rest of these, uh, most people would like to be treated with dignity. Mm-hmm. Most people would like to be treated with respect. And when you offer it to them, most people accept it. I understand that there's exceptions to this, not sure. a hard and fast rule. Sure. But, um, you know, but my thought was this in reading this story is that I, I don't think that people have a, a real issue with homeless individuals, meaning the, the human that they are. Okay. If they're nonviolent and they're out of the way, right. I don't think most people care. I would agree. I think people care about the garbage. I couldn't agree more. That's what they really care about. Yeah. So my thought about this was, in an effort to try to be solution-oriented, why don't you – here's a crazy concept. What if you left at these encampments, you know, garbage bins for these people? I understand that they're going to be throwing away human waste and bio stuff. And yeah. I get all that. Remember how much trouble we had recycling yesterday? That could be an issue as well. <laughs> no, what I mean no, is – No, I, I, I hear you going. There is that homeless encampment that's behind my apartment complex. And the, the, the hillside that they are camped up in, the slope of it looks like the backyard from the sand lot. You know what I mean? It's just broken toys yeah, and yeah. trash yeah. all over the place. Can you imagine if the city just put a dumpster right there? Now, I know, again, there's a lot of caveats here. It would have to be the kind of dumpster where you can't put a body into it. You know what I mean? There'd have to be a lot of different yeah. things going on here. And, you know, but I, I think that that might solve a lot of issues in terms of a lot of the times these people don't have anywhere to put their trash. So they just throw it on the side of the road. That, that's that's very, very true. I, I thought about this and went maybe one step further than, than you've gone. We, we had... 200,000 pounds of debris, right? That's, uh, I'm not good at math anymore. That's 100 tons of garbage, right? What if what if we required those who are relying on encampments, mm-hmm. what if we required them to police, we required them to police their own area? Well, what are you, what are you, what's the consequence of their behavior? You can't stay there. If you want to keep your encampment here, uh, if you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll provide you the dumpsters. We'll bring a dumpster and drop it on the side of wherever you are. Right. Um, and we'll do this once every month, two weeks, maybe every two weeks, right? And and if your place looks good, if it looks present, if it's not if it's not a blight to the community or a public safety or health hazard, mm-hmm. you can stay there. But if you if you are uh, abusing the space of the city that you've and you've taken over, mm-hmm. if you can't keep it clean, you can't keep it yours. What did Inzi say about this, Laura? Because Jay Inslee, Mr. Big and Tall, chimed in on it, and he, I'm sure that he had some some heated hot takes about this. I'm sure he was very animated. In no way sounded like he was putting himself to sleep with the sound of his own <laughs> voice. What did he say? We need all communities to pitch in here. This is a statewide homelessness crisis. Everyone's got to pitch in. Every city, every suburb, big, little, small, north and south. Yeah, I'm gonna miss him when he's gone, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. that, just, just, <laughs> that, that kind of really invigorating, really. That song, you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. <laughs> Who could forget it, really? Who's, I'm gonna miss that inspiring. You know what inspires people, man? It's what? not that kind of rhetoric. It's not. Right? It's not the pandering. No, pablum. no, yeah. no. What What inspires people is when you you praise in public and you criticize in private, right? This is managerial one hundred and one. Okay. So he should be heaping praise onto the people that were there, so right. that other people think I want praise too. I want to go volunteer. What's the next thing he said, Laura? We got another one of these, right? If you drive up and down the I five corridor now. 
you're going to see a lot less homelessness than you did it a year ago. That is actually very true. That is a statement of fact from the fine governor. Okay. I will say there's a lot of graffiti, though. A lot of graffiti and a lot of yeah. trash. Yeah, there is. Far too much. Uh, I, I like that he said it's going to take everybody, but you're right. He said, hey, you know what? Kudos to you folks who came out here and does. Was it a, it was a state-funded cleanup. Yeah, it was. We yeah, used yeah, our, yeah. Re- that was my yeah, point yeah, about yeah. having the homeless responsible. Yeah. Be, you know, we spent a lot of our money on making sure that the public safety hazard and health hazards were eliminated by us going out there and cleaning up the garbage. You know, I, I, I made my older kid move out, or at least I threatened my older kid to move out of our basement. When Why they, would you do such a thing? When they came back from, New, when my oldest, when she came back from New York, uh, it was middle of COVID. And they were living in our, our beautifully, we just had our whole house redone. Were they leaving garbage everywhere? No, but the cat was destroying the carpet. Oh, okay. You know, that, and, and was, there was just a general disrespect for the space. And I'm like, sweetie, we love having you here. We love being a, a place that you can come and regather your strength and momentum and mm-hmm. wait for COVID to settle itself out. But if you can't respect, the, you know, we just got the whole house redone. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to pay to have it redone after you're gone. That doesn't seem fair to us. <laughs> And they got the message. Right. So right. maybe we should ask the homeless to pitch in a little bit with the cleanup efforts. And if you don't want to clean up your area, we'll find we'll find a homeless person who will keep this area clean and give them the space. Ah, the King County Regional Homelessness Authority is having some of its funding pulled because they're not getting anything done, really. I mean, they do a little bit, but I, I kind of want to be fair to them. It just doesn't seem as if the... When we talk about homelessness, I think that there's a lot of people like to default to kind of a uh, – let me back up a little bit. You ever notice that some people get on a track or like a trail of thinking Mm -hmm. and they just run with that? Yeah, yeah. So what people often do is they talk about the homeless industrial complex and mm-hmm. they talk about how there are people who build their careers out of not fixing the homeless yeah, problem. There, there's some truth to and that. And there are people who just want to sit there and make money. I, I don't think there's a lot of truth to that, Mr. O'Neill. Really? Not, not even – well, uh, go ahead. I, well, not to the scale that these people are saying. No, I, I, I'm with you because there. Because I have talked to LCSWs and I've talked to LMFTs and I've talked to people who have worked within these systems. And basically what Mark Dones said when he left or they left the – King County Regional Homelessness Authority, was that there is such a a web of bureaucratic restrictions on what they can do and what they can't do Mm -hmm. and what they can offer people and what they can't offer people that it's basically impossible. So we place the blame on these organizations that are actually trying to help people when I think we need to actually place the blame on the matrix of laws and regulations that we've placed on that those organizations does that make sense? It makes perfect. It makes perfect sense. So, it does. Th- like your people's ire and frustration is pointed in the wrong direction, and because there are people out there who like to reaffirm those talking points, like the homeless industrial complex or whatever it is, um, without with very little evidence, by the way. Yeah. Well, they'll take one example and make that the standard with which they judge sure, all exactly, of this problem. Exactly my point. Okay, and so then, because they then do that, it's what's interesting. There's this thing that happens where I've come to the conclusion. And then it's final, and nothing, and nothing, be, and nothing is going to fix right. it. No bit, of, no bit of information you can bring to me will make me change my point of view. It is the same argument that people make. Like if I push uh, a Trump, a Trumper, on why they're voting for Trump, mm-hmm. ninety-nine times out of a hundred, they they will end up going, "Well, both sides are bad." Well, both sides are bad. Oh, ab- absolutely. It's the same kind of argumentative yep. technique. And what it actually is, is a form of intellectual cowardice. I don't mean that as a pejorative, but what I mean by that is if you can't actually point out the specifics of what's going wrong and you generalize it, that means that you haven't actually looked into the issue enough, right? Right. You're, now, no, you're, you're no better. 
Exactly. Well, right. you're not better. Right, what are you right. going to do? Well, both I'm sides, dude. So both sides. So I, there's a way to solve this problem. I actually, I'll, I'll just repeat what I said yesterday, Laura, because it sounds so good when I say it. <laughs> People have to make the decision to volunteer their time, and it starts with like Boys and Girls Clubs or Treehouse yep. or whatever it is, or donating to organizations like Treehouse. You have to be willing to help children and young adults so that they don't end up in the homeless system that we have, and then. There you go. That's how you fix that. I problem. hate to say this, but it's kind of what the governor said. He just has no panache. He's got. He, I've He's got, got, got the no panache. zip. You got. You got it. You got zip. Right. You. You inspire people. The I'm, governor just stands there, very tall, right. hovering above the crowd, going exactly. Takes everybody. Large, <laughs> large, small, east, west, big. Little. It's, I think it's a little more breathy than that. Was he? Okay. It's a little bit more. Uh, the, the Inslee is like us Washingtonians. It's a little bit more breathy when I speak. Yeah, that's true. And it's a little bit more in the back of the because I've got a pituitary gland problem. Much like a very large dog has trouble breathing. Yeah, he's always, very much so. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, got it. I, I'll never stop growing. I've got Tony Robbins disease. By the time I'm eighty, I'll be ten feet tall. I love that man. See, that's that's the way you do that. That's the way you do the answer. Police are investigating after two pedestrians were hit on Seattle sidewalks just hours apart. Now, if I wanted to do outrage media, this is what I would do, is I would pull this story mm-hmm. and we would do redo the intro. You're listening to the Jack and Spike show, and then I would go, big show going on today for you guys. Two pedestrians were hit back to back. Looks like it happened on the morning of Saturday, February 17th. The first happened near Danny Park at 2.48 a.m., and then the other person was walking on Dexter Avenue North. It was the, the sedan described as a, a dark sedan. Mm-hmm. And then I would I would take that and I would extrapolate it out, and I would say Kia boys, and I would right. say... Youth problem, youth crime. crime yep. soft on crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would present to people a world or a narrative in which it is dangerous to do anything in their lives. And the truth is anything but. And I'm deeply critical of media that chooses to take a story in which people were crossing a crosswalk at 2 o'clock in the morning and were hit by a sedan. It could be these groups of kids that are going around maybe. But the problem with this is that when when you reinforce these stories over and over and over again, people's fear mechanisms get activated. Mm. Their cortisol levels go up and they never come back down. They just rage. They get mad. They think the world is an unsafe place. They buy blast doors for their cookie cutter house out <laughs> yeah. in the suburbs. You know what I mean? They start digging a basement. Yeah, safe room. It's, it's yeah, safe yeah, room. Yeah. Do you understand? Like I, I, I am tired of people in the United States thinking that they have to live in fear because there is crime that occurs in different places. Do you know what I mean? No, I hear you. And because there's a story also about the the burglaries right up in Linwood. Linwood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you were a fear-based radio show, you can't you can't walk the streets between 2 and 3 in the morning. You can't even stay home. <laughs> our city, we've we've lost our city. Exactly. Exactly. But the funny thing is is that there are some people who I think are addicted to that kind of media. Yeah, yeah. And they need it. Like I'll give you guys a really quick example. Those those um who the the uh, that the, the settlement given to the people who were injured in the Capitol? Oh, the Capitol! Yeah, 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 yeah. They were given out police the, f- excessive force. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now there was an attempt to expose some of those people as Antifa members. Right? Ooh, we're giving money to Antifa Ante- members. Yeah, right. And there was an attempt to portray these people as "quote unquote" faking it. Do you know what I mean? Right. And what that does to people when they don't read the briefing and you don't understand the case and you don't understand that a little girl got half of her hand blown off, you're going to walk around thinking that the city just handed out a check for ten million dollars. Right. And when the actuality Absolutely. is, is that you had fifty people with physical injuries, with actual documentation, and that's why they got paid. But the people who are so mad 
They don't need any of that information because they've already been habituated into being mad about the outcome and not understanding the right. details. And, and the headlines you're describing, they, they reinforce that already paranoid belief. Oh, deeply. Yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. at the BLM riots was a criminal. Exactly. Well, well exactly. okay, maybe maybe one or two percent of the people at the BLM riots in the summers of 2000, 2001 were intent on, on destruction and property damage and physical violence. A balance of these folks were just marching, exercising their First Amendment rights for peaceful protest. Right. I mean, you, and, and you can't you can't just sell the extreme. Like with the homeless, we get this example of, well, they're all drug addicts and thieves and they all want to pick, jump in the streets. No, a lot of people have mental health issues, have economic issues. You can't judge them all by that one outlying, maybe not an outlier, but that extreme example. Well, you know, it's funny, though, Spike, is that I think that you and I will probably have to have this conversation like 30 or 40 more times before someone actually understands the substance of what we're talking about. You know uh, well, I mean? yeah, I, I agree with you, and, and we'll keep doing it. I'll, I'll a lot keep of time doing to it. Fill. Yeah, yeah, but I think that if I try to do, I think, well, if we try to do anything with this show, it's to try to demonstrate to people that working in the, the machine, we see how the sausage is made, mm-hmm. and we are not asking anybody to take a bite out of it because it's gross. Do you know what I mean? Fair. <laughs> Fair. Like, if I wanted to, every single day, we could pull five or six crime stories and we could give people a version of the world that is a fiction. It does not exist. Sells, man. Because when I walk around this city, I don't see this. I see people who are, you know... Right, you're not, you're not blind to problems. I'm not blind to problems, but I don't see this deep, dark, seedy world that's being portrayed to us on a regular basis by our media betters. And so I refuse to offer that to people because it's simply not true. Right? We're in journalism. We'll, we'll make this... Our duty is to inform people. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it is. Remember that next time. Right. God, he's got to be eating so much crow right now. Not a word. Nope, nope, nope. Not a... Not a he's digging in. They're digging in on he, that. Uh, Christ Carlson not said anything about that ballerina who's going to be serving twenty I, I, years. I, may, I have. I don't. I don't. Let's, I don't wait into the. Let's look into it. I don't wait into the ex. Uh, the formerly known as. Let's see if he said anything okay. about it when we get back uh, for terminally online. I'm also going to be telling people. Have you noticed that your social media f- feed has gotten weirder recently? Getting things that you don't want. Uh, yes, I can explain why. Please, I do, think I figured I'm, it out. I'm about ready to quit too. We'll talk about it when we get back right after this. It can be a dark and often dangerous place. Only one man has the courage to go where no sensible person would go. Jack Stein is terminally online. Terminally online, exploring the deepest, darkest reaches of the internet so you don't have to. So we were trying to figure out if Tucker Carlson has said anything about the American ballerina right. who was arrested in Russia because she had the audacity. I don't even think I can say this on air. Laura, get the dump button ready. Talk to legal about this. She had the audacity to donate $51 to aid in Ukraine. Right. So she might be doing 20 years oh, in oh, for prison. Espionage. For espionage. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to see if Mr. Carlson has said anything about it because he went over to Russia to do propaganda, pardon me, journalism, <laughs> uh, for a fascist, I mean, a president. Right. Uh, a, who, and so he decided to go over there and he was talking about how we were going to be radicalized he said against our leaders against our own leaders yeah, because yeah. of what he sees in russia now because tucker carlson is himself a fascist things like aesthetics mean a lot to him mm, okay how those things are accomplished doesn't really matter okay. it's all about appearances right it's all about right. appearances it. so Got when it. he was talking about how moscow is the cleanest city with the great service mm. and there's no crime and blah 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 
because he's a propagandist, he didn't do to bother to do any of the research that anybody else could do, which is to say, okay, so the average monthly income in uh, Russia, Mo- in Moscow, particularly, is it all of Russia? Or it's was- all of Russia. Okay is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 800 to to $1,000 a month, right? Mm, yeah. So that you break down the math on, that's about $200 a week. Yep. He didn't bother to say that. He was just happy that uh, he could get groceries for about 100 bucks USD. Hey, isn't that so yeah. great? Moreover, awesome. because Carlson is a fascist, I don't think he's commented really on any of the arrests that have been made going nope. on in Russia. Nope. He's just happy that you can get a shopping cart and put a coin into it mm-hmm. so that homeless people won't steal it. Because right. aesthetics is what matters most to someone like Carlson. So when I was on his Twitter page just now, I pulled it up because I don't have it on my phone anymore. I was going through it, and what I saw was something that's really interesting. Um, all of the views on Twitter are basically fake. They use a different counting mechanism than almost any other website does. So Tucker on X has 110 million views, right, on his on his Twitter okay. page, right, on different videos. So you see 70 million views, 110 million views, whatever it is. Okay. This is a lie because the way that they categorize views on Twitter is that if you scroll past it, that's a view. Meaning that if the video <laughs> really? starts... Now, all, then I own a lot of cars exactly. on Aurora Avenue. I've driven by five dealerships today. Right. I own a lot of. I know. I got a lot of steel. Right. So this is the way that Elon Musk lies to his. I say this as a statement of opinion, not a statement of fact, for legal reasons. But this is how Elon Musk lies to his to the users of X by saying, "Look at the, the engagement and that to you advertisers. and to advertisers." I was going to say, "Aren't you like paid for? Uh, paid by how many people view your well, stuff?" Right? Technically speaking, if I scroll pla- now, default setting on Twitter is that when you scroll past a video, it auto plays. That's default setting. So you can imagine that when you manipulate your algorithm so that t- uh, Tucker comes up on everybody's feed. Okay. <laughs> after a certain point in time, I would hazard a guess that somewhere in the neighborhood of about 70 to 80% of those views are just fake. They're not real. Well, I take a little comfort. I take a, a good bit of comfort in that, actually. Oh, you should. You yeah. should. Because uh, Twitter, by the way, loses $4 million a day in terms of wow. how much money he owes. And then also he's mired in a series of lawsuits, that good old Elon Musk, that bastion of free speech and all that, who bans people capriciously and then says, whoops, I didn't actually mean to ban uh, Alexander Navalny's mom. That was a huge mistake. I totally didn't mean to do that, oh even though I did. So I have been noticing that on my own t- feeds on YouTube, Reddit, Instagram, whatever it is, I'm starting to get push stuff that normally I would never want to see or look at. And so I wrote my my thesis in college on the way that I thought that the Twitter algorithm and the Facebook algorithm and the YouTube algorithm worked. Okay, It was just a theory at the time that I had. And then about six weeks later, the CTO, the chief technical officer from Facebook, came out and he said, this is the way we do it. And I got an A on that paper because I was totally right. <laughs> you nailed it. Had I made a video about it, I would have been a millionaire. But Now, was this the CEO when he was uh, uh, this testifying for Congress, this right? This is CTO. CTO, testifying for Congress when he admitted how they how they uh, milk an algorithm to give you information to keep you engaged, no, right? He, no, he was actually he was giving a, a chat about him, his departure from Facebook oh, oh, and starting okay. his own company. Oh. And so they asked okay. him, how does the algorithm work? And basically it works like this. You have to imagine that when you're on social media, imagine it's a gigantic river and there's tons of information flowing down mm-hmm. that river. Yeah. Just imagine, you know, videos, cat memes, news articles, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? And it's all going at, at a 
thousand miles an hour down this river. What an algorithm does is it basically sets up a series of dams in the middle of that river. Okay. Conduits, right? Kind of yeah. like what they have in Chicago, how they can divert the, the, the water flow. Yeah. Water uh, yeah. flow to go different ways. Yeah. And so what they'll do is say, uh, that river is coming towards me, and I say, I like cats, and I click the cat video. You open that dam. That dam opens. Oh, okay. And I then all of a sudden, but the only pieces that fit through that dam are cat-related. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It filters it. This person likes cats. We open that doorway. And then the second filter kicks in. Well, what kind of cats? Do you like uh, Maine Coons? Do you like Bengal cats? And you, you give them this information by how what you click on, by how what long, you click and, on, and how long you watch it. How long it. you watch That's it. That's how long the dam stays open. Exactly. Them, okay, I, I totally get this now. But now what they've done is recently is all these social media companies have changed that method. Whereas previously it was like a kind of like a sniper with its precision. Mm-hmm. Now it's a shotgun blast. So if I like a video about cats, it assumes that I am a white woman and a cat owner, and that I obviously don't like cleaning up after my cat, so oh, wow. I need kitty litter uh, robots. Oh, okay. And then if I like cats, I must also like boxed wine, and I'm obviously a fan of Natalie Portman, so here's Natalie Portman's GQ interview, and since you're watching GQ, here's the other GQ interview from 10 years ago from when they interviewed Robert Downey Jr. Oh, you like Robert Downey Jr.? Here's Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. Oh, you like James Lipton? Here's acting classes. The way that they've done it now is a staggered method, which is why you can click on a video about World War II and end up looking at medieval weaponry because they don't (laughs) actually know. They don't actually realize that the human attention span or our, our, our breadth of interest is not that wide. So they decided to just take this much simpler approach and just shotgun blast it and see what you want, which is why I get ads for uh, I get ads for ketamine treatment on on Instagram and then simultaneously, they'll pair it with videos of Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> wow, what a, great, what a great weekend you've got coming up. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting that they, I know that they, when I, the, the witness testimony I saw for Congress, I think was this, one, of the, one of the officers of the social media platforms, and they say that they understand that they feed your algorithm material that will, that will anger you. Because that is the most engaging emotion, and that's when you you know you you keep getting on it, and this is this dopamine hit of anger, and you and you get in this loop. So they send you more anger videos, yeah, and things to fire up even more. Well, really, what they're trying to do is they're trying to train you to use their platform in a particular way. So you're not actually telling the algorithm what you want. The algorithm is actually training you to respond to, to, on on the length of time that you should be using it. Oh wow. So you got to understand it's very Nietzschean in the sense of as you stare into the abyss, the abyss also stares back into you. Yeah. All social media platforms now are training platforms and they are attempting to guide you into thinking a particular way about how to consume the products. It doesn't matter if you're liberal, conservative, communist, whatever. That, that explains so much. I've yeah. seen in the last two, three months, my feeds have become just flooded, which is a great analogy, Yeah, with uh, semi-attractive 30-year-old white women who are now cr- constitutional experts. I mean, Love these, it. last month they were giving me recipes involving, you know, Pillsbury dough, yeah, yeah, but yeah. now they're all constitutional experts giving me horrible tastes. Can you believe I figured that out when I was 28 years old? Can you believe that, that I figured that out, and then that guy came out six weeks later and was like, yep, that's the way we do it. <laughs> Your professor's smoking on his head going, that Jack Stein was ahead of the curve. He's going places. <laughs> that kid knows his game. When we get back, a former employee locally has stolen $40,000 worth of magic 
the gathering cards. Spike has no idea about this world, so I'm going to tell him all about it when we get back right after this. was accused of stealing $40,000 worth of magic cards. We were going to talk about this on our YouTube channel for the digital exclusive content, mm -hmm. but instead we're going to be talking about stereotypes and why they're hilarious, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yes. The Jack and Spike Show is the YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe and you can like and you can comment and Laura will respond to your comment if you comment because I just delete the ones that I don't like. So this guy, are you familiar with what magic cards are? Spike, are you familiar with the game of magic? No, well, uh, peripherally. Okay. Right? I know that, uh, that people who don't have a lot of friends or human interaction will get together and play card games <laughs> that are very you. involved, right? How dare you? Yeah, so... Um, am I... Am I, am I stereo we talked about stereotypes. No, <laughs> nerds are, contrary to popular belief, the most cultured people on the planet. Nerds, in general, are... They objectively... Are cultured, deep-thinking individuals. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. If yeah. you ask a nerd about movies from the 80s, Led Zeppelin, mm -hmm. French cinema, nerds... This is the thing about nerds, is that we always belittle nerds, but in actuality, nerds are some... I, all my favorite people, nerds. Because at least they're passionate about something, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And at least... Yeah, I've got a friend of mine, he's, he's my age, he's obsessed with the WWE. He's obsessed with it, okay? Okay. I can't stand it. I will listen to him talk about it for hours because of how impassioned he is about is, it. Is a WWE devotee, super fan, is that mm. a nerd? He's a nerd. Wow. Yeah, he's a nerd about it. So you can, you, yeah. so you can nerd out about pretty much any topic. Well, because he's also in like Legos and you know, okay. video okay. games. Gotcha. He's, so. he's, a, he's a eclectic nerd. Yeah, he is. With you a know, diverse palette of nerdism. Not a lot of eye contact. That, that bore, was kind of what I meant. Or a bad concept of uh, personal hygiene. Okay. okay. You know, he doesn't wear glasses because they're cute. It's because they're functional. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, is a, this is a, my buddy needs okay. these things. So this 28-year-old man is accused of stealing $40,000 worth of collectible gaming cards. Now, you might be asking yourself, how could these be worth so much? Well, they only print so many of these. And so when, they run, when their print is done, they're done. That first run is done. And so the, you, then you'd have to get the second edition, which makes the first edition worth more, more valuable. Money. Okay. And these are just like useful parts of the game that were the magic to gathering. Yeah, so you, get, about, you, right? get, you, get a car, you get a deck of 60 cards, mm -hmm. and some of those cards are land cards, and some of them are creatures, and some of them are spells, and some of them are... All of which are useful in the game and strategically yeah, uh, you can yeah. use... Yeah, okay, All I get, of I get which it. are useful in the game. Now, the, the most expensive magic card ever sold was $2 million. Wow. For a single piece of Magic the Gathering. It's because it's the most useful card or the, because it was a first edition they, in pristine they only condition? Made, they only made one of them. Okay, yeah, see, I get it. Scarcity. Of, right, yeah, so that it. makes it worth more money. You can so, find a card to do the same thing, but it won't be this particular first edition. Like a Mickey Mantle rookie card in pristine conditions worth $4 bucks or whatever. Right, exactly. Okay, I got it. So a manager initially reported the theft to police on January 23rd after noticing substantial discrepancies in the Magic card stock, according to the SPD blotter. The man had stopped working at the warehouse just days before, and uh, the business found magic cards similar to those that were missing from the inventory were being sold online in Washington. So basically, this guy was taking them, selling them online. Okay, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and they found an envelope with his home address on it. Right. But Genius! Genius, <laughs> I say! Mastermind! But this just reminds me of my scheme when I found my old Pokemon cards from when I was a little kid. Okay. 
And I thought to myself, I'm going to be rich, is what I said. Sure. They were in yeah. a binder. They, they, I don't know if you know the world of the Pokemon uh, card. I, I raised two kids in the Pokemon era. Right. My, when my older child gave my younger their Pokemon collection mm-hmm. in binders, mm-hmm. oh, it was like the Holy Grail had yeah. been brought down from the mountain. So I asked a buddy of mine. I said, can you come and can you evaluate my magic cards? He okay. says, "He says, dude, just send me pictures. So I sent him a bunch of pictures. He goes, oh, dude, you've got... Yeah, like a hundred G's where the magic cards wow. or where the Pokemon cards here. I okay. go, I go, do I? I go, I'm rich. We're in the money. Sure. We're, I'm you high. Had, you had first editions and in, in uh, excellent yeah, conditions. I'm, I'm high five and Sarah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Nice. I'm, I'm calling my boss. I quit Brian hanging up on him. <laughs> and then I asked my other friend, Ian, who's a nerd uh, to come over. And I said, Ian, come evaluate my cards. I need to, uh, you know, take, take a look at these. He comes over, he takes a look at those and he goes, See, these are all like third edition. These aren't worth anything. I think the the one that's worth the most amount of money here is worth about forty bucks. And I went, uh... I got no money. <laughs> I got to call Brian. But and apologize. the thing about that that I know that there's like the the world of of kind of jokes we could crack about these people with their magic cards or whatever. Some of these guys make a really good living being nerds and basically yeah. being brokers for magic cards really? and they trade and they make a very it's almost like the the vintage toy yeah oh yeah there's market. a lot of money in the vintage toy game you bet so well yes these guys that's a commodity right right it's a commodity and i think we should give credit where credit is due and uh, hopefully that guy learns his uh, learns his lesson yeah five three says i help pay for the down payment on my house with magic cards yeah no yeah. way mm-hmm. yeah you can make a crazy amount of money. I still, I have a box of my old magic cards still that I was going to get give away. And then my friend was like, you should keep those. And now they're in storage somewhere. Right. And I'm wondering, do I have a down payment in that box? I hear you. Or am I just filled with a world of disappointment like my Pokemon <laughs> card? Thanks for asking me about my Beanie Baby collection that I thought was going to put my kids through college, which isn't going to do. That. We'll take a really quick break when we get back. I know nothing about this bogus FBI informant case. Oh, wait, that's a lie. I do. I am just unbelievably tired. Hunter Biden agrees to a deposition with lawmakers yep. after resisting a subpoena and impeachment probe. And also... Tax records are showing how much money people can make on COVID misinformation. And it is an amazing amount of money. We'll talk about it when we get back right after this.